Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. Our email address is flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe if you haven't yet to the Flowtrack Podcast on YouTube. Also, you can become a member there. We're still working on the live callers aspect of the show, Gordon, but it looks like we're making progress. Not because of anything you or I did, but because of the technical genius of Colt. So we could be getting closer to live callers on this pod. I'm excited. Do that next week, maybe? Is that when we think we're going to get it? Next week, Monday? Monday reaction? Overreaction Monday? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Monday, you could get some some real fire coming on the newly created voicemail line. Maybe it's a Friday thing, just to ease our way into it. I don't know. I'm excited to do it. What do you think the tone will be from the callers in general? You think we're going to get, and what do you think they're going to want to talk about? I have no idea. To be honest, I really don't know. <laughs> I, I, being a fan of track and field, like you don't really meet that many people in your life that's also a fan of track and field outside of right. like teammates or former teammates or, you know, mm-hmm. that one weird dude you met one time at like the yeah. airport. But other than that, <laughs> you know, no one else is, you know, like because yeah. when you're, Walking down the street and you see someone wearing like a one mm-hmm. of your favorite football team's hat or shirt or basketball team's jersey, you can like recognize it. Or like, oh, you're from Philadelphia. I see a Phillies hat. Mm-hmm. But in track, there's not like a really a signal and be like, oh. Like if you see someone with like an Olympic trials shirt on, you're like, oh yeah. wow. Wow, you're you love the you love the sport. You you flew all the way out to Eugene. So yeah. it'll be interesting to hear other people's voice of their uh their perspective of track and field. I think we're going to get, if I had to make one prediction, a lot of Gordon-related calling, either responding to something you said or just wanting to chat with you. Because I've been with you at enough meets. People like to come up and talk to you. People feel like they know you, even if they don't know you. You have that effect 
on people. A little bit of the Fenton factor going through Gordon Mack. So that's what I'm, I'm probably just going to shut up a lot. That's going to be my role. Cause they're going to be like, yeah, this message is for Gordon. And I'm like, all right, let me just turn my mic off, put it down. You'll hang up and listen. I'll just hang up. Yeah, and I'm going to, ha- I'm going to hang up and listen. I'm just going to turn it over to, to them on the YouTube page. We got, and the, the site, we have the race breakdown that I spoke about with Carl Lewis up right now. So people can go check that out. It is about Elaine Thompson. Hurrah. And Shelly Ann Frazier Price, we look at one of their pre-Olympic races. And Carl dives into just why Elaine Thompson, hurrah, was so successful in 2021. Points out some of the differences between her and Shelly Ann Frazier Price. It was very fun to go shoot those. We have five in total. This is number one. And then after that, we'll continue the race breakdown series. Although not with Carl Lewis, unless he just wants to keep having us gun on Houston every couple months. and talk sprints with him which there's worse things you could do yeah to be honest i had a lot of fun doing that yeah so we'll see maybe we'll do a season two with carl after the first five yeah we'll find more sprinters um find more sprinters. that's good yeah i encourage people to check it out this week in track is also up as well where i give a rundown of 22 things to watch for in 2022 um that is up on the site and then today Gordon is releasing the first edition of the NCAA ranking show. And look at this. Look at that headline, folks. A Georgia football and track double. Gordon asking the questions that very few people are asking, but he's asking them. No one saw Georgia beating that. I mean, people <laughs> thought Georgia was going to beat Alabama, but I think Georgia's – no one's really talking about the Georgia track team right now, but they have uh-huh. a very good runner, Matthew Bowling. And mm-hmm. the best multi-event group on the men's side. They got four guys who can all score in the heptathlon indoors. So that's the recipe to potentially win. And I mm-hmm. break down also the women's field. Uh, it's going to be a weekly show. We had the NCAA cross-country show. We've mm-hmm. rebranded it to now the NCAA track and field show. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to watch this as soon as we finish the pod and in the back half of the pod we're, i'm going to ask you about the rankings not the stuff you talked about in the show because i haven't seen it yet but i have looked at all your rankings so i want to get your opinion on just what makes the georgia men so strong and the florida women as well and then i'm putting up the pro actually i'm not calling it the pro what are we ta- calling it international uh what is it called because it's not pro because i'm including college in the world individual rankings world individual rankings i am including college kids there's not many on there but if you're fast enough, I'm putting you on there because I'm trying to tell you who the 10 best 60-meter runners are in the world. And if you happen to be in the NCAA, I'm putting you on the rankings. So there's going to be that show going up on Thursday, tomorrow. But the rankings are already up. I also might, on the side, cr- not create a new show, but also add rankings to our website, U.S. rankings. Okay. U.S.-only rankings. So we're going to have the NCAA rankings the world rankings, and U.S. rankings. So Jeez. all the rankings you can ask for. And then I'll have a ranking of the rankings. And then I'll have yeah. a ranking of the ranking of the rankings. So it'll just be forever <laughs> well, be like in the matrix. Well, it's great because NCAA includes people in the NCAA system from all over the world. The world rankings are just going to include everybody from all throughout the world. And the U.S. rankings are going to include just people from the United States. And those people could be in college or they may not be. So everything is crossing over on itself, creating the beautiful tapestry that is 
the sport of track and field that we know and love. Exactly. Terrific. Terrific. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Boston Marathon women's field, which was released yesterday. And we'll end the show with emails about Gordon's ability or inability to dunk. If you want to get an email right now, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. But before we go any further, Gordon, want to start with some really sad news in the running world. Dion Lendor passed away on Monday evening, multiple time Olympian representing Trinidad and Tobago, medaled in the world championships on the global scene and, and the Olympics as well. He was a Bowerman winner during his time at Texas A&M, and he put together just some very memorable and spectacular 400 meter runs throughout his career. Passed away in a car accident, leaving practice where he served as a volunteer assistant as well for the Aggies. So just very, very sad news um, indeed coming out of the, the track world and the passing of Dion Lindor. Yeah, when I saw this news, I was shocked. Um, you just don't realize that like anything can happen. Like you could be the healthiest person in the world, having you're feeling like you're just doing the right things in life. You're going on, you're representing your country multiple times internationally. You're excelling extremely well in whatever you focused on. And then something is just so wild, like a, just another car act, a car accident can just like end that. And it just makes you really think about, man, this, this world is, this life is not what we think it's always going to be. Right. And mm -hmm. I just, I didn't believe it when it first happened. I was like, no, the, this can't be true. Like, not nah, that guy. And I also thought about like who this person was. And I remember I joined Flow Track in 2014, which was basically the year he kind of jump started his career. He went on to win the Bowerman in 2014. Mm -hmm. And people may not remember, but like he was like the OG dominant one one that i mean og of this era like you know there's the jeremy warners and the mm -hmm. quincy watts but like of this era the 400 meter man to dominate the the seasons both indoor and outdoor mm -hmm. where no one could beat this guy you knew he was gonna anchor a four by four to victory he was basically unstoppable and he went on to win the bowerman he broke mm -hmm. a bunch of texas a&m records now a few years later Fred Curley would go on and break them even more, but he was basically the guy who like put Texas A&M on the map or kept them on the map in that 2014, 2015 era. And he also was just like such a fun guy to be around. He always had a smile. I remember we're seeing this right now. I went to the attract shack with him back in 2017 with him and his teammate, Braylon Taplin. And he gave me a tour of his house. He was such like a, he always had a smile on his face. He never mm. took life too seriously. He was a joy to be around from my perspective of like interviewing after interviewing him after races. And I'm sure that joy that I experienced, whether it was just for five to 10 minutes, you know, five times a year, I'm sure that joy was even more palpable and, you know, contagious mm -hmm. with him at practice, with him in, in track meets and, his competition and it's just man it it sucks it is not the guy was the guy was cool the guy was such a joy to be around he was obviously talented but 
from my perspective of just hanging out with him after practice, post a race, he just yeah. had a contagious smile and it sucks that this is, it has to end like this. And it just, it makes no sense, man. It makes absolutely no sense. And it makes you really think that like, you know, life is very precious and we don't really control it the way, as much as we think we do, you know, we can eat right. healthy, we can train hard, we can think we do all the right things, but then something like a freak car accident can just end mm -hmm. it. So uh, big prayers to his family, his teammates, uh, Texas A&M community. Um, mm -hmm. They lost a really special person, someone who I will never forget because, man, he was such a joy to be around when he was in the sport. I wanted just to share what Olivia Pone wrote, fellow Aggie and our colleague here. Uh, she said, Dion, you were an incredible teammate. And one thing's for sure, you knew how to put a smile on our faces. Uh, I'm going to cherish the memories we had together. Rest peacefully. So again, condolences to everybody in the A&M family and his family as well. So there's no easy way to transition from that, um, but we will continue with the show. Um, the Boston Marathon released their women's field, Gordon, yesterday, and it is star-studded, to say the least. London moved to the fall again for 2022, leaving Boston as the only spring major marathon. And the result is we're going to get two of the three best women right now in the world. And some might even say these are the two top women in Perez Jepchircher and Jocelyn Chepkoskai. Um, Together, they won London and New York in the fall. Jep Chircher is the Olympic champion. Jep Koskai, obviously, run, has run 217 as well. The American field is stacked as well, too. But what were your first impressions when you looked at, at this field? It feels like we went from, hey, all the good people are spread out because all every major is in the fall, to, hey, Springs only got one major. We're going to throw everybody in there and make this an amazing race. Yeah, I mean, it's basically got the best of London and the best of Boston all at Boston, you know, because London is in October again this year, final year being October. Um, but I'm like, I'm pumped to see, obviously the, the international field is great with the two Kenyans up top, but like the, the American field, seeing Molly Seidel, Des Linden, and Sarah Hall on the starting line. That's gonna be good, some good stuff. Obviously, mm -hmm. especially I love to. I'm excited to see Sarah Hall and Des Linden because those are two, you know, all-time great athletes. You could say. I mean, Des Linden obviously has a little more of a pedigree because she has that Boston win. Uh, yeah. But Sarah Hall, she has some great finishes, especially the one she did in was Berlin, yeah. right? Or no, it was mm -hmm. London where she got London. Second, right? Yeah, yeah, London. Yeah. Um, and they both kind of have that the edge of, you know, they didn't make the Olympics. I think Des was fourth. Sarah Hall was a favorite to be top three. She didn't have a good run in Atlanta. Um, so they kind of have this, like, this re, this re, what's the word? Revigorate? What's it? Reinvigorate? Yeah, they're, like, reinvigorated because coming off of a, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Olympic cycle. They kind of want to be able to prove themselves again. Sarah Hall obviously has uh, world championships to look forward to. Des Linden, she's kind of on the back half of her career. She kind of wants to be able to prove, hey, I ain't done yet. And they also mm -hmm. throw in Molly Seidel, who there, who is basically every time she runs a race, we are 
she <laughs> she does better than the previous one. Uh, and so coming off of her good New York City performance and obviously her amazing Tokyo performance, throwing her in that field, can she beat Sarah Hall and Des Linden and r- really establish herself as um, I'm the top dog for this next five-year, 10-year cycle? Yeah. Or will Sarah Hall or Des Linden be like, not so fast, Molly. You've had a few good races, but <laughs> the vets are here to run this town. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited to watch it. And uh, it's going to be some very uh, entertaining uh, back and forth race results. Here's the one thing yeah. I'm going to be. So Sarah Hall and Molly Seidel are um, they're running at Worlds, right? They're on the World team with uh, Emma Bates. Correct. Correct. If Des Linden were to straight up beat both Sarah Hall and Molly Seidel in mm. this race. Yeah. How many people would be like, <laughs> why isn't Des Linden on the world team? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Although I think I think Des would be fine. I'm sure she wants to wear the USA jersey yeah. again too, but there's advantages to not running that race when you don't have, you know, you're not at the stage of your career where you're going to have years and years and years. I think she'd just be happy finishing in front of them. Are you saying there might be confusion, Gordon, stemming from a process that was created halfway through the selection? Do you think yes. that, that could possibly happen? Um, I'm excited to see Lyndon. I'm excited to see Hall. Hall will get a hint on this weekend when she runs the Houston half. But Seidel, for the Americans, is the favorite. And she's going into her, this will be her fifth marathon. The previous four have been spectacular. She's got really strong competition internationally. As I mentioned, Jip Koskai and Jip Chirchir are legit. So Seidel could run the race of her life and still finish third in this field. But I almost anticipate her finishing third because in order to finish third, she's going to have to beat. There's other women who have run 217, there's 218, uh, and then three 219 women on this start list. But it's in Molly Seidel's history that she's going to outrun a lot of people who have better PBs than her. Now, can she outrun Jep Chircher and Jep Koskai, women who not only have great PBs, but have won majors recently and are, two, like I mentioned, two of the top three, perhaps the top two in the world right now? That's going to be a tougher task. But again, if you told me Seidel's going to finish third in this field, I wouldn't be surprised. It will be interesting. Seidel, though, you know, can she continue to be the top American like she was in New York and like she was in the Olympics. Hall's beaten her before in London. She obviously didn't win at the Olympic trials. She got second to, to Tulemuk. But this is a tough American field because you go beyond that, even someone like Nell Rojas, who was the top American woman in Boston. There's a lot of other women in here who are capable of having a good day. So as always, there's the race within the race too that's going to be fun. And it is a, a quality field from both the international perspective and the U.S. perspective, and there's obviously going to be some some crossover there. Like, how many American women can get in the top five? Because if you can get in the top five in this Boston Marathon, it is a huge accomplishment. Not all marathon fields are created equal. This is one of the best Boston Marathon fields ever on the women's side. So wherever you finish is is going to be one of the highlights of your career if you can get in that top five. I think the first question we have to ask, though, who did a better job of taking a picture of the Sitco sign 
to announce that they're running the Boston Marathon. Was it Molly Seidel's mm. sicko sign on Instagram? Okay. Look, it's in good, clear view. Or do you have the mm. subtleness that Des Linden did? If you showed the Des Linden one, where it's a little more in blurry because she's more in the, mm. in the foreground. What do you think? In- what, do you, what, what sicko uh, selfie do we like most? In- Interesting. Okay, yeah. More subtlety here. And Dez's caption connects well to the photo. Because she's not saying, I'm excited to announce I'm running the Boston Marathon. She has the, if they ask about me, tell them I'm not done yet. Eyes up, let's go. Now she has a link back to the field. And then she does hashtag Boston Marathon. But the picture matches the caption really well. Can we see Molly's one more time? Because I don't think I've seen that angle, that particular angle of the Sitco sign with that little, you know, that townhouse in the foreground as well, too. Uh, Her says, finally get to run the marathon. See you in Boston. Oh, man, this is close. This is really close. I had no idea there was a Sitco emoji that she's using uh, in her see you in Boston. I also want to think, how are these photos generated? Because... I feel like runners, for some crazy reason, always have some man or woman in the right mm-hmm. spot to take their, I'm not posing for you, I'm, I'm running photo. Like th- yeah. There's so many fake running photo selfies in the running world, yeah. especially on the American side, in the distance world. Like You don't see this as often on the sprint side. Like You don't see like casual like sprinters just constantly posting oh i'm on a run and yeah oh, there's a photo you know the one the way they do they, the amount of um <laughs> self-promotion not i mean they're supposed to right they're influencers they're paid by brand to run in these yeah. shirts yeah, and these shoes and let the people see it but it is kind of funny because it's a very awkward situation like like if you really look at this photo of molly like, is she running on a there's sidewalk? Clearly, there's clearly someone in front of her with a camera, and she's, yeah. like, looking over to the right. Like, Yeah, it's a promotional it's shot. A, it's a yeah. promotional shot, Gordon. That's the whole point. I but is it. she running on a sidewalk there or the road? I can't tell because this might sway my decision one way or the other. Well, she's running on the wrong side of it if it's a road, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to give – even though it's blurred, I'm going to give the edge to, to Dez here. Because I'm old school. I think I like it a little less staged. And even though it is staged, all these things are staged. I like how it looks more realistic. And running on the, on the sidewalk there on the wrong side gives that away. So I'll go, with, I'll go with Linden there. I also like the crane, the construction crane there too. Like building. She's building towards something. I don't know if she, you know, that was the subtext of it. But I, but I do like that. Uh, to your point about photos. It. She point about photos. Yeah, so these ones I understand. You're in a major city. Hey, I'm going to run a race. I got to get a photo. That's part of my deal. The ones I don't get are when they post these trail running pictures where they got to be out in the middle of nowhere and it's a head-on shot. So they clearly went out with somebody who got in front of them and took a photo. And then it's not your training partner, I'm assuming, because it's, it's not as if if you're training with another really fast person, are you like, hey, fellow Olympian, can you be my photographer for this shot? Maybe runners are so nice that they do that. So likely the person taking the picture 
is, you know, a, a friend or someone who's probably just dying to, to even keep up because you're running with an Olympian, a really fast person. And then you got to take the photo. They're going to run by unless they just are nice and stop. And then you got to hustle and then get in position for the next shot. So the ones I don't get are the, the, the trail ones where they're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, especially this photo of Des Linden. She says, uh, a run-up's obsession with outside running in the worst winter conditions. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it's probably all for that person who took the photo's hands, right? They're yeah, yeah, exactly. They're hands off taking this photo. It's hard to hit your phone to... with the gloves on. You know, they're trying to get it in focus, like yeah. with numb fingers. Yeah, I think we should do a, a, a podcast where we kind of do a power ranking of uh -huh. who's really yeah. good at this whole fake selfie game in the running yeah. world because there's some people who are good at it some who aren't some who don't even try mm -hmm. some who do it in a funny way yeah i think I, I really like the way like i mean kipchoge always posts random like photos like of him like dancing which i always think is fun yeah he, but he's got a guy for that i'm assuming he probably does have a guy because those ones are look super super high def and really w well done not to say you know someone couldn't figure out how to how to do that but they, they look like it's like a, from a professional photo shoot i think that's a great idea for an episode i'm it's something i've wondered about for a long time when they have photos of them running on the track i get it i understand it more because a bunch of people are hey your workout's done can you take some photos or maybe the photographer comes out that day for such and such brand and they take a bunch of pictures it's these ones that i don't get now maybe there's a road like a quarter mile from the trail and we just don't see it and it looks super secluded and that's how they're able to get the photos. But a lot of these, they look like they're in pretty remote places and they have these beautifully staged shots that, that go up. I'll tell you what, I would not like this part of being a pro runner. I understand why they have to do it, but it's just hard enough just to do the workout and then you got to get home and you got to like scroll through. That one's good. Mm, there's snot coming out of my nose on that one. <laughs> my socks look funny on this one. I don't know. It would be a tough part for me. Let's move on though. Let's talk about your pro rankings. Give me, let's start first with the men and then we'll go to the women. And NCAA I don't want you rankings, to go into you mean. NCAA rankings, excuse me. Yes, because there should be multiple rankings as we've talked about. There will be so many rankings on the site. We're going we're gonna to bring Lincoln back to do the ultimate rankings again. So first with the men, I, I don't want to go into individual stuff yet. I'll go into that a little bit, but give me the Cliff Notes version of why Georgia is the favorite on the men's side, if you can. Cliff notes. So the the so for people who didn't pay attention in class and are just, yep. just trying to get that B minus to move on to the next grade version. Sure. Got it. Sure. Uh, so yeah, so Georgia. Basically, I kind of break it down in this ep in the episode. So uh but I, I break it down more. But basically they have two pods of people. They have Two really good sprinters slash quarter milers, and then four extremely talented um, multi-event athletes. Their two sprinters are Matthew Bowling and Elijah Godwin. Bowling, he is very versatile. Obviously, we don't know if he's going to be doing a 60, a 200, a 400. He has the ability to long jump, so he's going to be valuable to whatever short sprint he does, his long jump and a 4x4 four four split. Elijah Godwin, he can run a 200. He can run a 400. And they can run a good four by four split. So they have those two guys to kind of mm -hmm. anchor the sprint points. And then they have four heptathletes mm -hmm. in the indoor scene who can all score. They probably can go one, two, three potentially. 
and then their fourth could maybe score. But uh, they're definitely going to go one, two, in my opinion, because um, Carl Tilga and Kyle Garland are the two best heptathletes in the country right now. They both have scored over 6,200 points, which mm-hmm. is, for those keeping track, very good. Um, so that's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be just like a, a two-part team. The two sprinters, the four heptathletes, and that's it. So it's going to be six guys. They maybe throw in a hammer thrower here, a weight, a weight thrower, but six yeah. guys, and then that will be the recipe to score. The big story around here, though, is right now it looks Not like here. the men's field is very diluted. There's a lot of good athletes on multiple teams. Mm-hmm. So typically 50 points it takes to win. As of mm-hmm. right now, I'm looking at it be a 40 point to win. Now, it can change. But early signs show 40 points is the number to hit if you want to be a team champion on the men's side. And then you have Texas close behind there. Yeah, Texas, 36 points behind Georgia's 39. LSU is going to be in the mix. Northern Arizona is going to be in the mix to podium. I know I say that every year. Every year I pick a distance team to potentially podium, whether it was the Wisconsin men with uh, Oliver Hoare and Morgan McDonald or the BYU Mm -hmm. women with – Courtney Wayman and their DMR screw. Mm-hmm. NAU, I thought, could have done it in 2020, but then pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. I think NAU has a shot now, though, the podium again this year because they have a little more miler in them with George Kusha, so they yeah. can maybe potentially get a DMR in this time. They still have their big dogs in the 3Ks and 5Ks, but it will yeah. be harder because, well, obviously, you know. If you, if you don't even need 30 to podium, they can definitely get that. That number yeah. being that but low. Even is... getting 30 is going to be hard. The 5K and 3K, when you throw in a Wesley Kip to Uh-oh. a... You're doing your 5K thing again. We already decided the no. 5K wasn't as good because all the guys went pro. No, but they, you know, but you have, you have the, you have Wesley Kip to, you have the Campbell kid, Kyoko. Yeah. You start adding all these other people in there who can run fast 5Ks, it starts adding up to like, okay, can NAU actually get three scores? I don't yeah. know. I feel like maybe NAU maybe only can get two. And if that's true, then it's going to be harder for them to get to 30 points. Yes, I still love the NCAA men's 5K. I think I'm going to be – we need to update this gift that Travis is showing right now on our screen to NCAA men's 3K because I think 3K is going to be a little more fun this indoor season, especially well, if Yared Nagus yeah. Uh, decides to run it. You take the potential of a 5K and you cut it by a few percentage points for indoor. Same thing with 3K. You take the because between the DMR, the mile, and people doubling in the short meet, like it's yeah. just not gonna. It's not gonna have all the names that it should that it could have. Let's go to the women's side. Give me yeah, the women. Same thing. Top top line women rankings. You have uh, Florida number one with 77 points. Yeah, this is going to be an insane year for Florida. It is. Let me just. Here's a list of people who I currently have scoring for them. I have Samir Kilbrew in the 60. Tafia Diggs in the 400. Taylor Manson in the 400. Gabrielle Wilkinson in the 800. Grace Stark in the 60 hurdles. Anna Hall in the high jump. Jasmine Moore in the long jump. Claire Bryant in the long jump. Anna Hall in the pentathlon, Sterling Lester in a pentathlon, Jasmine Moore in the triple jump in the top 
Natricia Hooper in the triple jump. That is so many people. I just listed off one, two, three. I'm not even count. Maybe like 10 people plus a four by four plus a DMR. They have so they have enough to field two teams that could win an NCAA title, in my opinion. They got the big two transfers from Georgia, Jasmine Moore, the horizontal jumper, and Anna Hall, the the multi-event athlete. Yes. They have a great 800-meter runner in Gabrielle Wilkinson. They have a good 400-meter runner in Talitha Diggs. Mm -hmm. They're just very diverse. They're all over the place. Now, 77 points would be incredible if they score that. I think they can. They could probably even go higher, in my opinion. I think they could get to 80. I don't know if that will happen. But what's interesting is Texas A&M, which I have ranked second, also has a shit ton of quality athletes despite losing a thing Mo to mm-hmm. going pro. Yeah. And so if A&M is uh, on all, you know, all four cylinders, it's going to push Florida to need to get to this even higher number. Yeah. Arkansas is a little bit there. Texas potentially can find more points later mm-hmm. on in the season. But um, this is Florida's race to lo- uh, meet to lose. Now, here's the thing. I am predicting, I guarantee you. I don't know if I guarantee. I can see the SEC champion. Uh, the, whoever win, I think Florida could end up losing SECs mm-hmm. at second or third at SEC indoors and then win. SEC and then win NCAA outdoors because they just have, they have a a good group of unique athletes who can score multiple events. And it's, it's going to be wild. Florida women, man, they're going to be story of the meet 77 points right now. As of today, will Florida be able to rent vans for the meet? Or do you think they're going to need to rent a bus? They're going to need a bus. Budget accordingly, Florida. Gordon says you're going to need a bus. Yeah. You're going to qualify that many people. You're going to need a bus. 77 points. It's a lot of points. How many people are going to qualify? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. They're, they're going to probably qualify when you include the relay team. 18 people? It's going to be insane. 18. 18? Including relay legs. Yeah, that is bus-worthy. With all the coaches? I'm just, yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying Rangers? to plan ahead. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know if they're working with Enterprise or Hertz or wherever, but <laughs> you might need to change that deal and just, just get, that chartered, get that chartered bus. Might end up saving you money in the long term. And then if you get a driver, you don't need to worry about the coaches driving. I'm just thinking. So you have, hmm. Yeah, I think they could even score. Like they might be able to get more than that too, right? Like obviously there's a chance for less, but there's some people who are probably just on the, on the, on the border, right? Like I'm just thinking distance. Remember Valby ran really well for a while in cross. Like at NCAA championship, she was way up there. I mean, maybe she, you, you don't even have her making the 5K, do you? No, no. You don't have, don't her, you don't have her scoring, yeah. but yeah. Because yeah. that's just listing scorers too, correct? Are you listing, are, when you correct. said 17, is that 17 people who make the meet or 17 people who score? Well, 
Yeah, seven. Yeah, because I had them scoring both the four by four and the DMR. So yeah, I have Jeez. seventy people scoring. Yeah. Okay. Everyone will have them making the meet. I have them all scoring. Okay. So I want to ask you some individual questions now about about okay. these rankings and just in general, like what what stood out to me when I when I'm looking at this. I mean, that men's two hundred. I know it's an indoor two hundred, so we don't get as pumped about it as we do for outdoors. But that's got some star power in it. When you look at Fanbule, who we know now because of what he did outdoors, bowling, obviously. Lance Lang is a name I think people are going to become more familiar with this year because he's a freshman too. A freshman too. John Maswangani of Houston and Micaiah Harris. Like that's six like legit names and legit title contenders right there. For a while, the yeah. men's sprints, like because of the because of COVID and the canceled season, there was a lot of anonymity around the men's sprints in the NCAA. We were waiting for that next person to pop up. And now we have a group of, of guys here. So that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and, you, and it's also not even including, there's going to be one or two Florida State guys that show up and like have a, have a breakout year. Yeah. And going to Florida State, like a Javon Martin or a mm. Denzel Fegan, like they're going to, or Amir Willis. So they have some transfers. They're going to find a way. And then there's a true freshman to keep an eye on. His name is Udodi On. Wu Zuriki, I totally screwed that name up. But he's from Stanford. He's run twenty point two one in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, you normally don't see great sprinters go to Stanford, so it'll be kind of interesting to see what this uh, true freshman Odudi. I I'm not even gonna say his name. True Stanford freshman. I got. I'm gonna have to learn. I'm gonna have to learn his name by the end of the season because I know he'll be making a final. I'm gonna have to. Figure that out. Yeah, but I think it's yeah. Udodi Owerzarecki of Stanford. There you go. Um, nice. When we were in Houston, you got Sean Maswangani's name right after he explained it to you a couple times, and then he had he get, he said his alternate name too, and then his teammates got a kick out of that. Um, women's sprints. I'm just going by event group here. Nelson is you know back for Oregon in the sixty. Um, I have her ranked top 10 in, in the world, actually, in the 60 right now. That's my – went out on a little bit of a limb, but I think she's going to take another step. Yeah, she ran 705. So yeah, she, pretty good. she belongs on that list. Yeah, Steiner. Steiner uh, and Anavia Battle, obviously, she had an amazing outdoor season. And then Ophelia of LSU is really good, just a sophomore. Kennedy Flannel experienced. Um, but that women's quarter, I think, could be interesting. Stacey Ann Williams was really good last year, but got, you know, everybody got overshadowed in that event by a thing Mo. And then Talitha Diggs, the freshman, and Kalen Roberts, the senior. USC's got a lot of people in there. Projected a lot of people here. But let me go to the, the distance side of things. One thing that's well, interesting ask... for the... Oh, yeah, go okay. ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. One thing I think is always happens in the women's mile, yeah. no one ever wants to win the women's mile. For some reason, the women's mile always gets diluted every year. There may be like, and by diluted, I mean, maybe just one star goes in and then everyone else is like a tier three type athlete. And the reason why is a lot of the top star distance runners, they choose the DMR or mm -hmm. they choose the 5k 
or they choose to be fresh for a 3K, right? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, Courtney Wayman, she is the best miler in the country, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to rank her because I think Courtney Wayman is going to do a DMR 3K double. Like, she's not going to mm-hmm. win the mile. And when you look at it, I'm like, I see a bunch of, like, 431, 432 milers, and none of them really jump off the page the way uh, Kaylee McCabe does from West Virginia when she just ran her 852, right? Or a Mercy Chilanga who could probably run a fast mile. It's just kind of – it's always interesting how the mile breaks out. And there's always, like – sometimes you look at, like, the person who qualifies in a woman's mile who's, like, 16th. You're like, how did that time get in? You're like, how is – that and it it gets in because fourteen women above her are all like scratching, scratching, scratching. I'm doing the eight, yeah. I'm doing the three K, I'm doing a DMR. And so a lot of times you don't need to be top sixteen in the country to qualify for the NCAA mile. You really need to be like top thirty and then you'll get it. It's kinda of interesting. Yeah, I think the depth isn't there. But cause I mean Sage Herta won it last year. She's legit. Yeah, there's always one. I go back to 2018, Eleanor Purrier won it. Obviously, that result holds very strong. Um, but yeah, th- there's there are a lot of upsets, though, and there is a lot of parity in that event. So you have it as, let me look at it right now. Was it Shadler, Gear, De Janeiro, Taisma, Howell, Skyring, Haymock, and Thompson? But you think it would be Weymouth and McCabe if they ran it, which, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. Um, in the eight, you have Aaliyah Miller, who has indoor left. Gabrielle Wilkinson, Shafiqua Maloney, one, two, three. So what's the best women's distance race? Is it going to be that 3K, you think? Oh, yeah. Definitely the 3K. You got two. You have Wayman, McCabe, Jalenga, Tui, and then whoever else decides to, like, I'm fast this year. I'm going to be right. Yeah. 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 Men's distance, you have Brandon Miller, number one, in the eight. McClear, two. Mile. Ilya Kip saying, let me look at these three in the 5K. So you're hoping, you, you're, hoping you're getting that Nagoose, <laughs> Nagoose uh, 3K, that DMR 3K double. I could see that. I don't know, man. I look at this 5K, and I could see NAU getting a lot of points. I mean, you already have NAU. You have NAU getting three guys in the top eight. So I, I think NAU is going to be fine in these distance races. Mance is gone. The Oregon guys are gone. There's definite room here. Yeah, but like yeah. Charles Hicks, he's good. Yep. Like Kyoko's good. Kip Two's good. Beetlescum always finds a way to finish top eight. And then Adrian Wildershut, he's going to be a factor. Yeah. So There's a difference, though, between good and this person's won an NCAA title or made an Olympic team good. I think if Hawker came back, that's different. If Mance came back, yeah. that's different. Even if you know, Edwin Kerr got another NCAA champion who was part of that best men's 5K in history thing that you were so excited about last year. And you have a lot of guys who are hovering around being NCAA champions. And obviously people like Nagus have, have won it, but there's not, like, and Kip too, obviously. But like, you have Kip, so here's 5K. Kip 2, Kyoko, Young, Nur, Hicks, Beetleskin, Wildshut, Bosley. Like, I don't think that's overly optimistic for NAU. You're right. Maybe Hicks takes a step up and Hicks gets second. But Young and Nur could also beat 
Yoko. So that's not crazy. What I'm saying is you've come full circle on NAU. You went from being overly optimistic to being a stone cold realist when it comes to NAU. Yeah. Stone cold realist. I think in the mile, Kip Sang is legit and he was overshadowed last year by Hawker and Nagoose. But remember the times he ran last year, indoors and out? Yeah, I mean, he has he's run the equivalent of a 354 mile. So, yeah. 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 The thing about the the mile it's going to be like no Garcia Romo and no Nagoose. It's yeah. going to kind of suck cuz Garcia Romo and Nagoose are both they've run 335 or 334 1500s. So, yeah. I'm yeah. really interested about Garcia Romo. He's running that Milrose mile. And I really want to see how yeah. he stacks up against a pro field. That is going to be a great experience for him. And I wonder if he can parlay it to success the NCAAs. That's not guaranteed. Remember, Sam Tanner broke the collegiate record in a pro meet and then didn't make the final at NCAA indoors. So it's not a guarantee, but it's cool that he's taking that step up and, and, and racing those guys. One thing I'm always I'm, I'm trying to figure out, I think he's still on the team, but I'm not sure. Sam Tanner. So part of like uh, figuring out these rankings, you try to see who's graduated, who's transferred, et cetera. And a lot of times I rely on TFERS. People know what TFERS is, basically the database of all the track and field athletes and their times. And I look at TFERS, and Sam Tanner is not on the TFERS roster for Washington. But when I go to Sam Tanner Washington website, he shows up. He was on the roster. He showed, I, I believe, let's see if he's still on the, if he's, let's see if he's still there. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. still there. Sophomore um, from New Zealand. He's still on the website. But then you go to Sam Tanner's Instagram. Yeah, this is what he's, I do. I'm, yes. I'm a crazy man. And this is a sad, sad his last post is from December. And it's from, he's in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So is he? And and then he has UW track in his profile, but it doesn't say U track alum. It just says UW track. I don't know what that means. Okay, let's look at this. I'm gonna look at his story now. His story. Is he in is he in Seattle or is he not in Seattle? I can't tell. His story There's is just water. a, a video of you trying to figure out where he's going to college. But I think there might be a situation where he, maybe he's he's left and gone pro or whatever. You don't. And we don't just, know that. To be clear, they haven't updated clear, the, the. Gordon U, is not reporting. They haven't. Up, I'm not reporting. They haven't updated the UW website. Did you ask his coach? I have not. That would probably be the. I have his phone number. I should just text him. Is Sam on your team? You know what? I'm gonna do that right now. Yeah. Okay. So That's while Gordon, point. while Gordon does that. I'm going to talk about some field event stuff here on, on the rankings. Uh, let's see. What stands out? Obviously, Georgia really strong on the, the men's side. Gordon says they're going to power themselves to power uh, the Bulldogs to victory. Got bowling scoring points in the long jump. Oregon has the Iameje in the triple jump, which will be fun. Um, but, yeah, the, the, uh, uh, Javon Harrison not being here opens up a lot of space. And on the women's side – Texas A&M, they are counting on a lot of field event points, particularly from Tyra Gittens in in the field events for the Aggies to to, to close that gap to to Florida, which is going to be a tough task. And 
A&M is going to need to come up big in the field events to do it. Um, but Gittins has done it before. Gittins has racked up a ton of points before. So that's what I'm – when we made our predictions about who would win, that was for outdoors. Just want to be clear on that. I know, you know, you went the other direction with me, which is good, but I got Texas A&M women and, and Florida State men. So I'm still holding on to those predictions. And they're for outdoors, though. Outdoors. You 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 clutch those predictions as much as you want, man. Hold on, hold on tight. I am, I am. Good odds on those predictions. Um, so we'll we'll report back if Gordon hears anything after his text message. Well, it's probably oh, early have, in in Seattle right now, right? It's seven forty seven oh, in Seattle. He he's still asleep. He, you think? He's a distance runner. He's up early. Okay. He's up early. I was I was sleeping at seven forty seven in Austin, Texas time. You ran the quarter. That's true. That's true. Well, oh, wait, you're talking about you're, you in college? You're talking about you now? Well, of course you were asleep now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm comparing. Um, I'm talking about old Gordon. All right. Oh, okay. oh Chris O'Hare retired. Announced his retirement. Multiple, uh, obviously, time All-American at Tulsa. Won an NCAA title. Uh, Milrose Games as well. A very solid miler for a bunch of years, and you're part of that British group that really started to rise to prominence again on the international level. What do you think Nick Willis's reaction is to Chris O'Hare retiring at age 31? Um, when he sees that, because he's Nick Willis is running in the Milrose, is he's running in the in the Milrose Wanamaker Mile? At least. Well, I like that your question is. When a person retires, what do you think another person's reaction to it is that isn't me or you? Um, I think, like, I mean, O'Hare, O'Hare is much closer to reality than Willis is, though. This is the reality <laughs> of the sport. You get to yeah, early yeah. 30s and then and then that's it. So I, I don't think he thinks anything of it because this is par for the course. The reason why Nick Willis is the oldest guy on the start line is because people are retiring in their early 30s. If he was rule then he'd look around and see a bunch of his compatriots but what he's doing is rare i think i think o'hare um you know 332 pb made world championship finals to me it was surprising because because he won milrose in 2020 and we're now in 2022 and he's already retired so you know injuries things happen like that um priorities shift he probably knew it was time, which is why he made this decision. But to go from being at that elite level to to retirement, usually you see a, a slower trajectory, a longer trajectory of, all right, well, then I wasn't, you know, top 15, 20 in the world. I was then top 30, and then I was top 50, and, and then I retired. But at the same time, I commend him for just being upfront about it and saying like, this is because we talk about all the time in track, you never know who's retired and who isn't like this person hasn't competed in three years. Are we just assuming that they're done? And then sometimes you find out. So I like it from a informational perspective of just knowing, Hey, this guy's decided to to move on. He's retired. Yeah. And, you, and it's kind of interesting because yeah, some athletes, I bet you Chris O'Hare could probably still run like 358 in a mile. Yeah, exactly. You know, but exactly. he's kind of like, all right, 
But what I don't need to be running 358 for two years just to like, you know, jump around in the sport. Like he knows where he's yeah. been, and I think he just he, he sets a an expectation every year. And if he knows that I'm not going to be that anymore, it's like yeah, it's like there are some people who want to be backup quarterbacks and extend their career or sure. you know backup centers and send their career an extra five years in the league. He's yeah. like, eh, no, I just want to be done when I'm not a starter anymore. Which you respect, and uh, my my perspective of Chris O'Hare, I he was, in my opinion, the most confident athlete I ever met. Really, I, when I would talk to him, like uh, off the track, and just like interact with him, and seeing his perspective of uh, his perspective on his own ability and the ability of his competition, he was extremely confident like he i was oh i was like damn dude like you you think you're you 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 you're, you you what was the word i'm gonna say like you believe in yourself that, i mean i guess you have to believe you have to be confident because if if you're not confident yeah. then you're not an elite athlete but he was like he took confidence to a new level which i really respected about him and i was like all right like he when he showed up to a starting line against yeah you know the best of the best in the world, he was like, no, yeah, I could, I could win this race. Whereas yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of athletes will be like, they step up to a starting line with the, with Jakob Ingebrigts in their leg. Whoa. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, just hold on. Like he never had the, just hold on mentality. He had the right. like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to win this race mentality, which is, well, and perhaps, which, which is very admirable. Right. And perhaps that's what tied into this decision because he, was confident when he had it. He's probably confident when he knew he didn't have it. And he knew, hey, I don't have enough left in me to stay at the level that I was at. And you're right. Yeah, you could keep running 358, 359 for a while. But once you've reached those heights, a lot of people are like, well, I want to be able to either match or exceed what I've done before. It doesn't give me anything to do less than what I've done before or watch myself go backwards. Now, some people, get motivated by that. Hey, how many, how many teams can I, can I make? How long can I hang on for? And that's, that's just a different way of looking at it. I don't think one's better or worse. I do like that you think that Chris O'Hare is the most confident athlete you've ever covered. And yet you started this segment by asking me, what do you think Nick Willis thinks of Chris O'Hare retiring? Like, that's, that's what you should have led with. It's just infinitely more interesting as a talking point <laughs> than what do you think this other person in his event thinks about this person retiring you literally think chris o'hare is the most confident athlete you've ever covered like i would have gone with that that's just that's how i would have yeah. the segment well i think it's just you know i was just thinking about nick willis because he's on the wanamaker mile and it's yeah. you see someone retire 10 years before he's done it it's kind of like whoa um, yeah but yeah o'hare he was he broke the collegiate record in 2013 with his 352 mile yeah, i remember that i remember um, that mm -hmm. that he he kept a streak of like there was like a fun little run that was happening where collegiate record milers would then go on and not win NCAA indoors. I believe like Batty, Batty had the yeah. record, mm -hmm. then then went indoors. Then Chris O'Hare got the record, didn't win indoors. Lowry Lelang got the record in 2014, didn't win indoors. Chesarek got it in 2017, I believe didn't win indoors. And then Cooper Tier, I guess technically got it, but he didn't run it. Uh, didn't win indoors. So it was like a... Hey, didn't win it though. Didn't win it. Yeah. It's like the SI cover curse. But for Milers. Yeah.
See, that, there's another part of this legacy. You could have led with that too. Mm. That's just <laughs> fascinating stuff. All right, we got a few minutes left. Let's get the Gordon Dunk update. First of all, we got this email that I want to read. Um, from let's see where is this? Here it is, from Stephen. Uh, here's my dunker CV. Six foot four. Figured out I could palm a ball in tenth grade and decided I had to learn to dunk. I had gone through a growth spurt at the time and shot up to around six two. I spent a couple weeks doing calf raises because I think my dad told me that's what you need to do to jump high. Makes sense. After a little practice and a million calf raises, I figured out how to do it in my driveway. I've been able to dunk ever since. I'm 34 now and should give it a shot this spring when the snow melts. Unfortunately, I've only gotten three dunks off in game. Once during a college intramural, which got called off because they had a no dunking rule. Once to end the game of 21. And one beautiful posterization of a guy during a pickup game. Being tall, I never had a real handle. So putting it all together to drive lane and get to the rim. Then landing over the guy splayed out on the floor after. Amazing. Here's a little video from when I found a ball while on a run a few weeks after the New York City Marathon in 2019. I bounced back nicely from the race and had some good pop in my legs. Um, so we'll, sh we'll show that video in a second here. Uh, he finishes up by saying, I think doing sprint drills and lifting would be huge for getting the bounce you need to dunk. Also, if you can, get on a hardwood court. The wood is a lot more forgiving and you get good pop versus trying to jump off of asphalt. For the longest time, I could only dunk off my left plant foot but found some good YouTube tutorials on how to plant both feet and power off two legs. This is from Steven, who legit, you know, guy running marathons and able to dunk. That's a pretty cool club. It's a cool club. I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to join that club because I don't think I'm ever going to run a marathon, but you're a pure dunker. I could join. I could. Yeah. I'm just pure dunking. I could join the, uh, sub two minute, 800 and can dunk in their <laughs> lifetime club. That's, Roll this video if you can, Colt. He is effortless. So he finds a ball on his run. What? I mean, that's smooth. Yeah. It doesn't even look like he's trying to jump that high. Well, that's how you know it's good. That's yeah. how you know all those calf raises paid off. Let's see this again. I, I mean, this is a legit 10-foot hoop. Look, he gets up pretty high. He's 6'4". Looks like he's got decently long arms. He's palming the ball right there, too. That's, the, that's going to be something that you can't train your way to do palming the yeah. ball i mean you get your you get well, your hands he went up, stronger he did go up with two hands there so that's probably what i'll have to do go up with two hands i have yet to do my first dunk i think i was going to do it this past weekend i'm going to do it this upcoming weekend but it's not going to be a real dunk i think i'm going to try to dunk with a tennis ball because it's not about the ball or the palming it's just about see how high i am how high I, and how high i need to go like do i just hit the net do i hit like halfway up the net, a quarter up the net, three quarters up the net, and then I'll have my baseline. So, uh, I've I already, have, I have an offer. I've already, I've already planned out my entire year of training. It's kind of wild. Okay, I Can we see the it. The first month, the the first month is January, where the training is just running six days a week, and doing abs and push-ups every day. Six days a week as well, and uh, the time I run builds up every week so week four I run too january much. i'm running 20 minutes a day for six days and i'm doing like 40 push-ups and seven minute abs but it's about doing it every day right calf raises said, start slow no no it's none calf of that raises? none of that yeah okay no 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 it's all I got, about no, i got running every day and doing sit-ups and push-ups every day so i do that for a month and then february 
that's when the training starts. That's when I'm going to start, one, racking up the runs a little more. And then also, yeah. I'm going to start going to the gym and slowly mm. do more and more at the gym. And then basically, I will be in my full-fledged training routine basically mid-March. So once mid-March happens, that'll yeah. be the first week where I do what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, which will be a running regimen, a uh, lifting regimen. lifestyle. Yeah. And then every few weeks, I'll practice dunking. So I have an offer I, for you. Yeah, I'm not thinking so much about the dunking right now. I'm just thinking about getting my body healthy is like the first step. Good. Good idea. I have an offer for you. My neighbor across the street has a hoop that's out that everybody uses, and it's adjustable. So if you want, you can come by. We can measure it to make sure the hoop's legit. No, we can just see where you're at, like because it goes all the way down yeah. to six feet. This is where my son works on his game because we put it down to eight, and he goes to work. But we could put it at nine, nine and a half, wherever you feel comfortable with. And that way we can just see where you're at and where you go. Now, only problem is I don't know if the thing's going to tip over if you actually dunk on it. So we'd have to be real careful. But people use the use the hoop. It's not on hardwood because my streets in my neighborhood are not made of hardwood, despite my petitioning to the city council to change them from asphalt to hardwood. So you would be at a little bit of a disadvantage there. But if you're interested, just let me know. Come by my house. It's literally across the street. And you can get a baseline of where you're at. Yeah, I might be do. Yeah, I mean that could be like my goal is constantly move it up higher. Because right yeah. now I'm just gonna be like swinging at the net, which is my hand, just and trying to videotape it and see. All right, how yeah. close was I? So yeah, we have mini bat. I have plenty of mini basketballs. We got to pop a shot, so you can try it with the mini basketball. Um, you can start even slow. You can just start on like eight and a half and just like get the get the feeling for it. I don't want you to because if you blow out your knee and then i have to take you to the hospital like that's gonna make me upset because i got three kids i got stuff to do so we'd have to figure that out like bring your health insurance I, I, I card wanna, or something like that like have it taped i don't want to your... upset you kevin Just... I don't upset no I, I i think in one I, one dunk i don't think you'll 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 do anything too bad but i think well maybe you could who knows i think it could be fun because you could actually see where you're at instead of you're right hey i hit this i got the backboard or something like that also so someone wrote in recommending that book about dunking and you know, you have a connection to the author. So that's good too. You have all sorts of resources here of people who are willing to yeah. help you. Yeah. And I'll, I'll the resources I'll throw some high jumpers on the pod and interview them and yeah. just ask them, Hey, how do you jump higher? Cause I'm sure <laughs> there's specific things they do in the weight room for their legs. Right. Like, are they just doing leg I presses hope. all day and squats is like, is it that simple or is there actually more to it? You know? mm. Like, I feel like they probably do a lot of like balancing. I bet like yeah. doing the little, what is it called? Calisthenics? That's what they call that stuff. Just like yeah, strengthening plyo your plyometrics. Plyometrics, that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. I think go down to Houston, train with the Houston jumpers for a week. Yeah. And then I think I got some come eligibility. Back, come back with just an, in an ice bath. Just we, we transport you <laughs> in the back of a car submerged in ice because you'll be in so much pain um i'm looking forward to it again the offers on the table if you want to take it but let me know okay coming up coming up on friday's pod we're going to preview the the houston marathon half marathon that you will be at also i mean there's 
indoor is starting to go this weekend. There's a lot of pros who are going to be showing up in college meets throughout the country. So as best we can, we're going to give you an idea of what to watch for on the high school side of things, whether it be a showcase, which is going to be live um, on flow track this weekend. And there'll be a lot of mile split coverage from that meet as well, too. So we'll talk about all that on Friday. Anything else I'm leaving out, Gordon? No. It's been a good pod. Good pod. Good pod. Uh, thanks to Colt for producing. Thanks to Travis for producing. Make sure you check out This Week in Track, Race Breakdowns, the NCAA Track and Field Show, and uh, coming Thursday, the Pro Ranking Show, where I talk about the top 10 60-meter runners in the world. We'll talk to you guys Friday.